thousands of people have mysteriously vanished in America's wilderness. Join us as we dive into the deep end of the unexplainable and try to piece together what happened. You are listening to Locations Unknown. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locations Unknown. I'm your co-host, Joe Irado, and with me, as always, is a guy who has a bear rug on his floor, but it's not dead. It's simply too afraid to move. Mike Van de Bogart. Ah, thank you, Joe, and thank you once again to all of our loyal listeners for tuning in this week. We've got just a few announcements before we get rolling here. So first, I'd like to give uh, some shout-outs to our new Patreon supporters. We've got Lilac's Girl, um, Brown and... Trahan, Trahan, Ray Jones, Connie Schomer, uh, Zoe Scantos, and Brandon Warren. So thank you so much for supporting the show. Um, Can they make up their own names? Is that how it works? Like, or do you think her name is Lilac's Girl? No, I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can put whatever you want. Okay. There, I think. Um, so thank you to everyone who uh, signed up since our last episode. Uh, we have a long list of things we'd love to do to the studio. Um, so the more the support, the better, uh, I'd like to give a special episode suggestion shout out to Diana Clark. She recommended this to us over on Instagram. This case is, uh, very recent. Uh, it happened just in the last couple months. Uh, so it should be very interesting to cover a case that's kind of still unfolding a bit. So, and then finally, we've got some new updates on just where you can find the show. So, for all of, all of you that are listening via Patreon, they have now partnered with Spotify, which is pretty cool. And all of our content now is on a special uh, subscription show page uh, on Spotify. And you can listen and watch the episodes right through Spotify now. You just have to link your, your Patreon account. So real quick, I'm going to run through that just because I did it. And it's not intuitive. Okay. So um, if you're a patron supporter, uh, Mike sent out an update and it has a link to the patron show but anyone can go to it yeah anyone can go to it but that's where you have to go and you just have to click on one of the episodes it'll have a little lock on it and when you click on it it will prompt you to link your patron account so there's not like an area that says yeah. link your account it doesn't there's no button so just click on one of the episodes and then it will prompt you to link it link yeah. it so it's it i listen to all my stuff through spotify so it it's pretty cool it, the experience is just the same as any other podcast so uh very cool we also are now, if you are a Twitter or formerly known as Twitter, an X user, <laughs> still weird to say, um, and that's where you like to consume all your content, we are uploading all of our, our past library to uh, X. <laughs> so um, feel free to go onto there and you can watch our content and we are going to be rolling out uh, subscriptions on X uh, for all of the same content that you can get on Patreon. So uh, just more ways for, uh, you to support the show, you know, and view the show in the app that you like. So, um, other than that, uh, if you want to call the show, call uh, 208-391-6913. If you'll, you'll notice on our feed, we released 
the last voicemail show to the public kind of is a, a promotion. So that is kind of what you'll get for, you know, the voicemail shows, but we do a bunch of other stuff um, for Patreon. So it's a lot of fun. You'll just have to sign up and find out. Yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, Joe, any updates? Nope. Other than how's your car doing? <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> we'll go into that in a patron episode. Yeah. I totaled my car, my cross country adventure. So uh, we'll cover that in a, <laughs> on a patron episode. So yeah. If you want to learn about that story, you got to sign up. Yep. But, all right, everybody, let's gear up and get out to explore locations unknown. June 26, 2023. A Belgian tourist living in Tasmania for six months was planning to take in the local nature scene by hiking the Philosopher Falls walking trail. It is an easy trail that normally only takes 50 minutes to complete. When family and friends could not reach her, they notified local authorities. Join us this week as we investigate the disappearance of Celine Kremer. So if you didn't already pick up on it, we are going outside the United States for this this one. We do not have a Tasmania in the United States. So the this will be a fun under. one. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I just sounded like a Boston guy. <laughs> land down under. <laughs> um, the Philosopher's Walking Trail, uh, Philosopher Falls Walking Trail is roughly 1.6 miles. It's an out and back, uh, meaning you go out and come back the same way you went in. There's only about 357 feet of elevation gain. So it's uh, moderately challenging. Uh, it takes about 50 minutes to complete. I called it easy because if you're a regular hiker, that is, yeah. that's nothing. Um, a regular hiker would probably do it a little bit quicker. I just did uh, a trail about that length with yep. that much elevation gain, and it was super simple. Uh, additionally, it's well-maintained and close to the town. So that link I have in there, kind of some pictures of it just describes it. So yeah. I'll open that up probably while you're going through your stuff. Okay. Um, so it's near the Savage river national park. Um, and that's, so we're going to really discuss location profile based on that just because it's the best example. So, yeah. We'll, we'll kind of switch in and out of talking about Tasmania as a whole. And then, you know, some specifics about this national park, which is pretty close. The information available on some of these areas is a little less than what we're used to covering American national parks. So, yeah, it's just Australia, however they document their things. <laughs> yeah. So it's 69.4 square miles. So it's slightly smaller than Carlsbad Caverns National Park. Uh, it is in Tasmania, Australia. So that is uh, 35,042 square miles. So it's roughly the size of Indiana. That's the island of Tasmania. The island. Yeah. Uh, it was established in 1999. That's Savage River National Park, not the waterfall. <laughs> and uh, Tasmania, if I re recall correctly, was f established in 1901 
as a state of Australia. Oh, I don't know. I'm yeah. just going to have to trust you on that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, so just habitation <laughs> history of the area. Evidence indicates the presence of Aboriginal people in Tasmania about 42,000 years ago. So rising sea levels cut Tasmania off from mainland Australia about 10,000 years ago. And by the time European contact occurred, the Aboriginal people in Tasmania had nine major nations or ethnic groups. At the time of the British occupation and colonization in 1803, the indigenous population was estimated at between 3,000 and 10,000. That's a big gap, actually. Yeah. Uh, some fun facts about Tasmania. Uh, Tasmania has the world's cleanest air. Uh, it's monitored by Cape Grim Baseline Air Pollution Station. The lack of pollution is due to the position of Tasmania in the Southern Ocean, far from other land masses. Tasmania was first discovered... It's in quotes. Uh, November 24th, 1642 by Abel Tasman. I wonder where the name came from. <laughs> um, although uh, Aboriginal people have lived in Tasmania for at least 35,000 years, Abel Tasman, a Dutch explorer, was the first European to discover Tasmania. He named it Anthono uh, Anthony Van Dieselmansland or Anthony Van Diemensland. I love that he just named it like... <laughs> like I'm here now. Like a family guy, Pretoria. <laughs> yeah. Just named it after himself. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, um, and he was probably like, I discovered this. It's yeah. mine. <laughs> Who uh, He was also the governor uh, general of Dutch East Indies, currently known as Indonesia. Despite the official name of Van Diemen's Land, usage of the alternative Tasmania gradually grew, and on January 1st, 1856, it was officially renamed Tasmania. Tasmania has the oldest trees in the world. The Huon pine trees are located in western Tasmania, some of the oldest living things on earth. The Huon pine tree grows very slowly. At uh, tw A 20-meter tree could be thousands of years old. While the oldest individual tree or stem on site may now be 1,000 to 2,000 years old, the organism itself has been living there continuously for 10,500 years. That's wild. So that's like one of those tree networks where they're connected and supporting yeah. each other via their root system. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really research into it more, but that's kind of what I'm getting. I've I've read a lot about not that particular one, but yeah. those systems like that where the fungus... Yeah, like a tree is growing and has problems. The other trees communicate via the root system with it well, and can and they, send resources. Yeah, and they actually share uh, resources if one of the trees is, um, you know, what, you know, I don't know how they getting know sick that or something. Getting sick or it's low on water or minerals or something. Yeah, we're just going to have to trust smarter people that yeah. say that that's true. And it, it doesn't seem to be refuted yet. So I've we'll seen see. that in like legitimate articles from like National Geographic. So yes. I, and I've heard that before. Yeah. So. Well, correct uh, us if yeah. we're wrong. Yeah, some some expert on this topic should uh, call the number. Joe and I are never wrong about anything, air quotes. That's 100% <laughs> true. <laughs> so the Tasmanian devil is the largest carnivorous marsupial in the world, and those uh, reside in Tasmania. Yes. Uh, it was established as a secondary place for convict punishment. Between 1804 and 1853, the British government transported about 76,000 convicts to Tasmania for further punishment when they reoffended in mainland uh, uh, reoffended in mainland Australia, thus creating modern day Tasmania as we know it, as abor Aboriginal people were already living there. So, so if you're already living there and then the people that they inhabit your island with after they just come and claim it are all criminals. And not just 
criminals that went to Australia. They're the ones that were like too bad for that <laughs> criminal colony. So they took them to Tasmania. <laughs> Jeez. So. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the climate. Tasmania has a relatively cool temperate climate compared to the rest of Australia. Spared from the hot summers of the mainland and experiencing four distinct seasons. Summer is from December to February when the average maximum sea temperature is 70 degrees and inland areas around uh, Launceston reach 75 degrees. And these are in Fahrenheit for yes. people not wondering. It's not that hot. <laughs> That'd be bad at Celsius. Yeah. Other inland areas are much cooler with Lewini located at the Central Plateau, one of the coldest places in Australia, ranging between 39 degrees Fahrenheit and 63 in February. Autumn is from March to May, which mostly settle, uh, with mostly settled weather as summer patterns gradually take on the shape of winter patterns. The winter months are from June to August and are generally the wettest and coldest months in the state, with most high-lying uh, high areas receiving considerable snowfall. Winter maximums are 54 degrees on average along coastal areas and 37 degrees on the central plateau as a result of the series of cold fronts from the Southern Ocean. Inland areas receive regular freezes throughout the winter months. I didn't. I would never guess that anywhere near Australia gets snow ever. Well, if you think about it, the next landmass south of Tasmania is Antarctica. Yeah, and that's so. where it's. It's just whenever you think of Australia, yeah. it is just desert and just poisonous hot. snakes and hot. Yes, Dry. like you don't realize. Yeah, it is pretty yeah. far south, and that one's very close to Antarctica. And it's weird too. Like Southern Hemisphere, your seasons are backwards. So yes, like their winter is our summer. Yes, so that that would take a bit getting used to. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> Because we're on a globe and not a flat yeah, thing. It's not a flat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spring is from September to November and is an unsettled season of transition where winter weather patterns begin to take shape of summer patterns. Although snowfall is still common up until October, spring is generally the windiest time of the year with afternoon sea breezes starting to take effect on the coast. So we'll talk about some of the terrain. Tasmania, the largest island of Australia, has a landmass of 26,410 square miles and is located directly in the pathway of the notorious Roaring Forties wind that encircles the globe. To its north, I don't even know what that is, a Roaring Forties wind? Look it up uh, when I'm talking. Okay. I should have put more information on there because no, it sounds cool. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah I, I don't know even what to say about it, so I, I guess it must be... Some kind of like jet stream. It started in the 40s, maybe. <laughs> like what? But uh, we'll, I'll look it up. It has to do with longitude, latitude. It Probably. I don't know. <laughs> to its north, it is separated from mainland Australia by the Bass Strait. Uh, about 1,300 nautical miles south of Tasmania Island lies the George V. coast of Antarctica. So, yeah, it is very close. The most mountainous region in the Central Highlands area, which covers most of the central western parts of the state, the Midlands located in the Central East is fairly flat and is predominantly used for agriculture, although farming activity is scattered throughout the state. Tasmania's tallest mountain is Mount Osa at 5,305 feet, and much of Tasmania is still densely forested, with the Southwest National Park and neighboring areas holding some of the last temperate rainforest in the Southern Hemisphere. With its rugged topography, Tasmania has a great number of rivers. Several of Tasmania's largest rivers have been dammed at some point to provide hydroelectricity. So some of the 
uh, dangers in the area. And this is where I was like, okay, we're going to probably get in some crazy stuff because that's all, all I know about Australia. No, and so these animals Joe get into and then all of the kind of tips for safe hiking are kind of uh, tailored for Tasmania. So they, some of them may not necessarily be <laughs> applicable to, say, Glacier. We'll get calls about it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so some of the animals, we have bats, kangaroos, wallabies, wombats, Tasmanian devils, tiger snakes. They're highly venomous. Uh, you should have put uh, the crocodile hunters cranky in cranky. the soundboard. Yeah. Uh, I should have had to do that. Yep. Low, lowland copperheads. Highly, <laughs> they're highly venomous. I'm going to get in so much trouble for my bad Australian accent. Well, all, all of the one people from Tasmania that listen. <laughs> <laughs> the white-lipped snake. It's a venomous, but less dangerous than the first two snakes. So from what I gathered is these three snakes are really what you have to worry about in Tasmania, especially the tiger snake of the three. That seemed to be the most venomous. And yeah. both the tiger and lowland copperhead can kill human adults if you don't get to a hospital. Okay. The white-lipped one, from what I read... Uh, is it's a painful bite, but you're not going to die from it. Probably. Um, probably. probably. <laughs> I, unless it gets you like in the neck or somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it like, gets a jugular. <laughs> yeah, somewhere important. Yeah. Uh, choose the right walk. The Tasmanian Park Service uses the Australian walking track grading system to grade our walks. I think this is really cool. I wish we did something like this in the U.S. Well, we use, I mean, I use all trails, but yeah. yeah they, but like an official grading system. Okay, yeah, they because you go on the park websites and it'll just be like, oh, it's moderately yeah, difficult. And you're like, what is strenuous. that? Yeah, what is that based strenuous on? Strenuous is such a vague term because one person's strenuous is another person's like easy. Yeah, like some people strain getting out of bed. Yeah, like <laughs> I've seen guys on trails that are trail running something that's technically strenuous for me yeah so <laughs> nope totally agree yeah so these easily recognizable icons allow walkers to make an informed choice about the difficulty of the walk and whether it is a suitable choice so we'll go through the grades right now grade one is no bushwalking experience required flat even surface with no steps or steep sections suitable for wheelchair users who have someone to assist them grade two Suitable for most ages, the track has a hardened or compacted surface that may have a gentle hill section or sections and occasional steps. Oh, and to interrupt, for anyone not from Australia, they call their trails tracks. All right, so, <laughs> so. I'm going to start calling them tracks. I yeah. like that too. I like everything they're doing so far. Yeah. Grade three, some bushwalking experience recommended. Tracks may have short, steep hill sections, a rough surface, and many steps. Grade four, bushwhacking experience, or bushwalking experience. I keep screwing up because we say bushwhacking when yeah. you're going through thick forest. So bushwalking experience is recommended at grade four. Tracks may be long, rough, and very steep. Directional signage may be limited. And then the highest grade, grade five, is only suitable for very experienced bushwalkers with specialized skills, including navigation and emergency first aid. Tracks are likely to be very rough, very steep, and unmarked. That is a great system. Yeah, I feel like it would help people who are new to hiking that aren't quite sure of, you know, a trail or don't do their research. Like, this could be a really easy way to know. Well, think about the amount of people who go on the wrong trails with the wrong stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, either they didn't look it up or just went online. And when people see people's opinions, they almost tend to be like, well, that's just them. I mean, it's kind of like skiing, you know, like black diamonds yes. or... It, I know from you know when I have been skiing, it's very easy for me to know what's the hardest run, 
and you know what what I don't want to do. <laughs> like <laughs> yes. So um as always this this applies to our parks too. When you're packing for these types of trips, you want to pack for are you doing a day hike, alpine hike, multi-day, those types of things, you want to make sure you're packed appropriately for those and you never want to rely on cell phone service. We always say bring your cell phone because it is smart in case you do get signal great but cameras. Yeah, it's great cameras. Um, if you were following any of my adventures through Canada and saw <laughs> those images, that's all for my cell phone. I don't yeah. have a professional camera. Uh, so cell service in most areas where the hikers go is non-existent. So the park service and most SAR recommend uh, going in groups. And no, uh, most SAR groups. Uh, most Oh, most SAR groups recommend. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hikers carry a EPRIB, uh, Emergency Position Indicating Radio Beacon, E-P-I-R-I-B, or a PLUB, PLB, <laughs> Personal Locator Device. So this was right on the their National Park Service website, and a lot of the search and rescue groups in Tasmania all have this recommendation if you're going out hiking, uh, carry one of these devices. And you can, like, rent them. Yeah. There's a couple services where you can rent them, and they're not super expensive. And if you're, especially if you're out of a country, yeah. it's not a bad thing to have on you. I think if I was hiking anywhere internationally, even if it was in like Switzerland yep. or Germany, you know, I would have a PLB. Well, and some some of those rescue services too, like private rescue, are not that expensive. When I went to Africa, I paid for one. Yeah. Um, I forget what the name was, but they basically, it's like ex Navy SEALs run this company. Yeah. And you pay, it's like insurance. It was only a couple hundred bucks, mm -hmm. but you could be like in Afghanistan, like in a terrorist compound. And if you get a hold, they'll try <laughs> and hell of that. Yeah. They like, it's literally, it was really cool. I felt well, neat having it. And at the end of the day, like no matter what the cost is, is your life worth less than $10,000 if you break a bone and can't get out of somewhere remote? I mean, I would pay that to live. Yeah. <laughs> I think most people would love to. Yeah. <laughs> and if you can't pay that, uh, contact us and we could, uh, uh, I know I have affiliates with some of these sites. So end of the day, end of the day, if you buy the device and you have to trigger it because of a serious injury or you lost, it's not like they're going to show up, run your credit card. Yeah. If you don't have the money, they're going to leave you there. They're going to get you. Yeah. And you'll have to figure out how to pay for it later. Yeah. If it's not covered by yeah, if the you've been rescued, How about, let's do this to our listeners. If you've been <laughs> rescued and you're stuck with some sort of rescue bill, contact us and we will try and source that through our group. <laughs> yeah. I can't guarantee anything, but we have a lot of listeners now. If your life was saved by that, we'll figure it out. And we'll help you through it. Yeah. Uh, you want to make use of logbooks. So make use of logbooks along various trails so authorities know where to start looking for you if you get separated from your group or lose your way. And always sign out when, you when your hike is completed. And don't be too proud to turn back if the weather or track conditions make it difficult to keep going. If you do get lost, if you're still unsure of your location, give three blasts on a whistle, mark out three lines in the snow or earth, or yell three times. Any pattern of three is standard distress signal. And that is internationally. Mm -hmm. Three of anything um, stands out, and that's yeah. why you want to do it. So if, if you can make a fire, they talk about make three fires. Because if you're walking through the woods and see campfire, it might look normal. Yeah. If you see three campfires like 10 feet apart, you're like, what's going on over there? <laughs> yeah. Um, ocean swimming, Tasmania's oceans can be also be unpredictable. So during the summer months, pay careful attention to lifeguard warnings before entering the water. If you do get into trouble in the water, stay calm and signal for help and float while you wait for assistance. 
So for year-round hiking in Tasmania, uh, you can hike all year round, but be sure to pay close attention to weather forecasts in the lead up to your hike, particularly from June to November when the snow and rising river levels can make walking difficult. And bushfires and planned burns. When planning your trip, you should include refuge areas in case of bushfire, and if caught on foot, you should seek shelter. Field staff can help you with this information before you head out. Check the weather and fire conditions. That's something that we've never really had to worry about here. I've hiked through areas that have been just totally scorched, but that's not a concern I've usually had. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, you want to talk about Celine? Yeah. So I was talking to Joe before we started today, and this case is very new. And unfortunately, we do not have very much information about Celine as a person. Um, we know she's from Bel- Belgium, and she's age 31. And she had last contact with family and friends. Now, I, I saw conflicting. Uh, reports on this so it's in my notes somewhere so when I come across it I will I'll correct the record but a lot of places reported that she had last contact with family and friends on June 16th of 2023 so not too long ago and then her family and friends reported her missing to the Tasmanian police on June 26th of 2023 Uh, as of yesterday the remains have still not been found like we said she's a female age 31 and we really don't have any more information on Celine? We we know that based on police reports, she was not prepared for the conditions that she was hiking in. So she was hiking in June. So remember that is their winter. Um, so, it, but it was supposed to be that quick hike. Not saying that you should never be prepared. Yeah. We we talk about that all the time. But it was a well maintained trail. Yeah, it's and a it's mile and a half. Okay. And yeah, it takes less than an hour to do the whole thing. So she. I'll pull up the preview on the all trails. So if you're watching the video while Mike's talking, you'll see a preview of uh, what the trail's like. Yeah, so, you know, regardless of, you know, the trail, she was hiking in winter. The conditions were pretty poor. Uh, Based on the reports I could find, she was not prepared with either gear or clothing to be in these conditions. So um, probably played a major factor in her disappearance. So... We also know that she had been living in Tasmania for roughly six months before she went missing. So, And she also did have plans to travel to Victoria via the Spirit of Tasmania ferry on June 21st of 2023, which obviously she didn't make. And um, she seemed in good spirits. Her final Facebook post from February 22nd of 2023 she shared a photo of herself standing atop Mount Wellington with the quote, a little devil in Tasmania. So um, that that's really all we know at this time. Like I said, this case is still fresh and it's, you know, it's an international case. It's not, you know, information has been harder for me to find on this case. Uh, but one thing we do have very detailed description of is the search and rescue ef- efforts after she was missing. So um, between 6.12 and 6.16 of 2023, that's why I said there's conflicting media reports on one, what day was the final day she had contact with her family. But this range of days would be the last time family and friends spoke with her. Okay. Um, so 
On June 17th of 2023, police reported that she was seen in a nearby town of Warata. Uh, so I know at some point Joe can pull that up on Google and see. Yeah, I'm just flipping through pictures of the falls. It looks beautiful. It looks super cool. A lot of people are taking pictures of mushrooms there. Uh, we haven't done a single case where we've seen the location and like, nah, I wouldn't want to hike that. Oh, yeah. Look at like <laughs> they have like the path has actual grates and like. Yeah, it's graded and some had brick. Yeah, it's very, very well maintained. Yeah. I think this trail is probably traffic, you know, used a lot in the warmer months. Yeah. Based on the infrastructure in place. This is beautiful. Um, so, like I said, she was actually spotted on June 17th in the nearby town of Warata. So, that, Joe, that is W-A-R-A-T-A-H. Um, so, now we are going to move forward to June 20th of 2023. This is a Tuesday. So Celine was believed to have left her car and gone on a day walk at Philosopher Falls on the island's northwest uh, section around June 20th. And this was confirmed by police reports because this is the last time her cell phone pinged a tower. So um, she reportedly had only prepared for a short day hike. And like I said earlier, she was not equipped for an extended stay in these conditions. Uh, information that law enforcement received later in the month on June 29th indicates Celine might have been seen as early as, oh, like I said, uh, June 20th in the Philosopher Falls car park. It's now June 26, 2023, Monday. So family and friends haven't heard from her several days, you know, over a week. They contact the Tasmanian police and file a concern for welfare report for Celine, um, which I'm assuming is a missing persons report. I tried to look up what that actually meant, but that sounds about right. Yeah. So here you can see it on here. It's like kind of inland on the Northwestern side of uh, the Island. Yeah. And it's right near the falls. Yeah. Falls are like right in. I'll find the falls. next. Yeah. You can keep talking. So yeah, like we said, she was reported missing and, uh, the, family reported that she was driving a white Honda CRV with registration number E40TF. Um, at this time, there was another report that Celine was last seen in Hobart and was believed to be heading to the state's West Coast. So we have verified uh, sightings of her um, in Waratah and Hobart, uh, it's now June 27th of 2023. Her SUV was found unattended in the car park of Philosopher Falls walking track. Law enforcement, after finding her car, started searching the area, um, and they also utilized, Joe's got a picture of the car up now. Yep. That's the exact the way SUV. it was found. And I, I have some theories on the car. Uh, there's another picture don't that get you... A, don't get ahead of yourself. I, I won't get ahead of myself, but there's another picture where... Something looks a little suspect. So we'll get into that later. But um, so, yeah, police, uh, after finding the car, decided to bring out a, a police search drone. So they had a drone in the area that day after finding the car. It is now June 28th of 2023, which is a Wednesday morning. So ground SAR teams and a police drone continued to search the area. There were plans to bring in a helicopter in the afternoon if the weather improved, but conditions were poor with light snowfall in the area. At this time, local law enforcement also closed the Philosopher Falls walking track um, while they did their search. So, and Joe's got pictures of 
Yeah, I was flipping through before we had. Yeah, and all these the pictures orange. are from the search of Celine, so they're not just like random pictures of like search. This is legitimate. From yeah, it's got the little Tasmania police. That's a cadaver dog that was used on the search, which I'll get into here shortly. All right. Um, so it is now June 29th of 2023. This is a Thursday. Weather conditions continued to deteriorate. Snow had fallen in the area over the last weekend and into the week while extreme cold battered the SAR teams. Uh, at this time, there was also a Bushwalkers weather alert in place for the area. Um, the And the hiking trail to the falls remained closed as the search continued. And Joe's now got a picture up of kind of where a car was found, where the falls is, um, and then you know, certain, you know, zooming out a little bit, where's Waratah. So it's not a very big area. It's not. So it's very thick. This isn't like this hiking is, this, in. And this line is like a half mile. So this is zoomed in real close. Yeah. Because it's what, it was 1.6. So it's like maybe, you know, 0.8 miles from where this car is parked to this philosopher falls. So it's not a huge distance and it's relatively flat. Yeah. But if you go off trail, it gets very thick. Yeah. I could see that through a lot of the, the images that it, we're you showing can, here. It's, if, you, if you're watching yeah, this. That. You can imagine that if if she did some reason go off trail, it would be very tough for search searchers to find her. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's that's it's like a corridor. Yeah, very well defined path. You can't accidentally go off this path. No, you would have not. to on purpose. But if you did, um, you know what I like to think of. Remember when we were in Glacier? Yeah, and we were going across Flat Top Mountain, yeah. and then that group of people just came up on us, and they <laughs> yeah. said they saw us from far away. Yeah, and they were lost. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's they, right. And they could not find the trailer or anything, and they yeah. saw us and, like, ran to us. And, like, thank God they were climbing some mountain. Yeah. And they couldn't see the trail. And it was – there was no trees. There was nothing. Yeah. But – and it was – we were on a well-defined trail, but it's on the ground. Yep. So you go 30 feet off this trail, not even – you're not going to see the trail. No. And then if you get turned around a little bit and start heading the wrong direction. And it's rugged. It's – uh, from what I gathered in my research, it's always damp and wet, so there's a risk uh, yeah, of you slipping. Can, you can tell just by looking. It looks like just rainforest. Yeah. And she's hiking in winter, basically, so you yeah. know conditions are poor. Temp is low. Um, so, like I said, it's June 29th of 23, which is a Thursday. The trail was still closed. Inspector uh, Anthea Mangay said police had growing concerns amid the continuing weather conditions. Uh, quoted, the search so far has included ground search crews and police drones and helicopters, but unfortunately no further signs of Celine have been located uh, since her car was found in the Philosopher Falls car park on Tuesday, she said. She goes on to say, weather conditions have been challenging over the past few days with freezing temperatures, snow, and rain occurring. Um, she goes on to say, unfortunately, we have received expert medical advice that indicates the recent conditions are not survivable for the length of time that Celine is thought to have been exposed in the wilderness. At this stage, police believe Celine's car has been in the car park since at least June 20th, and our information indicates she was only equipped for a light day walk. Um, the uh, inspector finally goes on to say, the search effort is continuing, but we are dealing with extremely dense bushland, and the challenging weather conditions are expected to worsen over the coming days. So very challenging search environment for searchers. It's thick. It's cold, it's snowing, it's raining, it's windy. Uh, and they don't really have a good idea of where Celine really could be. They know her car is in that car park, so that's really all they have to go off of. Um, 
So it is now June 30th of 2023. This is Friday morning. So the search is continuing, and they're focusing on the Philosopher Falls waterfall at this point. Inspector uh, Anthea Mangay said police search and rescue personnel are repelling from the viewing platform to search in the surrounding bushland and thick vegetation. She quoted, she was quoted, we're continuing our efforts to locate Celine, but it, as we explained yesterday, we have received expert medical device that indicates that the recent weather conditions were not suitable for survival. Uh, and uh, the trail still remained closed at this time. It is now July 1st of 2023, which is a sat- Saturday morning. The search continued around Philosopher Falls with SAR teams utilizing ATVs to search a number of tracks around the falls. Police also continued to investigate Celine's movements between June 17th and June 26th. A number of people who are hiking this area between those dates have been contacted by law enforcement to outline what they saw. In particular, law enforcement was seeking out a hiker on the trail uh, June 18th at around 2.30 p.m. as they think this individual may know more. They continue to stress, though, in the police report that this person was not in trouble or under investigation. They just wanted to get information that they might know. Yeah, if he, like, saw something. Yeah. So... Uh, law enforcement actually did track down this hiker, but unfortunately, he didn't have any information that could aid in the search. So um, that was a lead that hopefully would have gone somewhere, but didn't. Mm-hmm. It is now July 2nd of 2023, Sunday morning. Uh, Tasmania Police Search and Rescue personnel together with uh, Tasmania SES conducted further ground searches focusing on a track offset search of Butler's Road. So they're kind of starting to fan out from the falls at this point. Uh, So now, same day, July 2nd, it's Sunday afternoon. The Westpac rescue helicopter was put into operation near Philosopher Falls. Finally, police stated that a break in the challenging weather conditions allowed for safe operation. So it sucks. They, uh, I mean, they've had a drone, but they weren't able to get the helicopter up until July 2nd. And she potentially was on the trail starting June 20th, reported missing 26th. That's, I can't imagine what they would see with a drone or true. a helicopter. If, with that unless coverage. You're on, yeah. With, if, I mean, it's I mean, so much canopy. It's just another tool, but yeah, that's a tough yeah. environment for a helicopter to find someone. Uh, so July 10th, 2023, this is a Monday. This is when the formal search was suspended. So following a comprehensive review, the police formally suspended the search operation. Commander Stuart Wilkinson said today that the major search, including police, SES ground crews, specialized swift water rescue personnel, ATVs, drones, and the Westpac rescue helicopter have been undertaken in the Philosopher Falls area since June 27th when Celine's vehicle was located unattended. Uh, He goes on to quote, considerable search efforts have been undertaken in difficult terrain and treacherous weather conditions, but unfortunately, Celine has not been located. He finally uh, says... Uh, What we've already heard, expert medical advice has been received that given consideration of the poor weather conditions and cool temperatures, Selene could not have survived the conditions based on the gear she was in. So search you think is done. It isn't. So it is now July 31st, 2023. So literally, you know, two weeks ago, almost police received several new pieces of information enough to reopen the search. Police now believe that her car may have been at the car park as early as June 17th due to cell phone activity. Law enforcement 
thought strongly enough that she might be in the region still that they brought in a cadaver dog, SAR team, that searched the area from Friday, July 28th to Sunday, July 30th. And we've talked about this in the past that, and we've had people comment about, you know, sniffer dogs and cadaver dogs. You think like, oh, it's going to smell something, but she, if she's been missing for weeks and it's been raining and snowing and people have been walking around out there, that dog's going to have a very hard time finding, you know, scent unless it, you know, unless they walk right over a body. Or she's not in the area. Yeah. Because I'm guessing, like, um, I want to not be too harsh, but they probably don't sniff necessarily tracks, but the scent of a cadaver. Yeah. So the off-gassing and things like that. But that's where I wonder, like, what the range is Yeah, for a dog to do that. Yeah, and I'll, those I'll, I'll look like that up. Wind direction, moisture in the air, probably all plays a factor. Um, so... Like we said, they believe her car was there much early, you know, a few days earlier than ex- they originally thought. So we have another quote from Western District Commander Stuart Wilkinson. Uh, he said, There had been no science lean during the recent ground searches involving the use of a cadaver dog with crews enco- encountering more treacherous weather conditions and difficult terrain. While every effort was made during this latest search, sadly, Celine remains missing. He goes on to say, the searchers faced extremely poor weather conditions and every effort was made to try and locate her. When a person remains missing, the case is never closed. We will continue to follow up any new information we receive in relation to Celine's disappearance so we can provide closure to her family and our thoughts remain with them and Celine's loved ones during this difficult time. And I'll just say this, uh, since this is still an active case, they just wrapped up a second search, you know, 10 days ago or 11 days ago. So anyone locally with information on Celine should call the Tasmanian police uh, 131-444 or they can call Crime Stoppers anonymously at 1-800-333-000 or online at crimestoppers.tas.com.au. Um, so real quick, yeah, on the cadaver dog. So they're saying a trained cadaver dog can pick up the scent of a human remains buried deeper than ten feet underground. Wow! Or more impressively, they can find remains underwater, collapsed buildings, and thick snow. They're also able to tell the difference between decomposing wildlife and human. And then I looked further for the range. Uh, they have been reported to smell objects or people as far as twenty kilometers away. So that's like twelve miles. Wow! So. so- it, if there was a body out there, there's a if it was a good cadaver dog, you arguably be able to say it should have picked up team, that scent. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that maybe the theory there is that she never was on the trail. So we'll get into that's kind of what I'm starting to think. Um, so I guess let's jump right into theories. So I'll just say that law enforcement thinks she just succumbed to exposure. She wasn't prepared with that, the equipment, clothing. Mm-hmm. It was cold rainy, snowy. I think that's very plausible. Um, you would then wonder why, first of all, the trail is so short. Uh, even if she only had like a light coat on and, you know, it's a 50 minute walk. Um, if she got, you know, she, she would be close to the trail if something happened, unless, you know, we've always talked about this. If you get hypothermia and um, you start making poor decisions. Maybe she walks off into the the thick wilderness. But I would have thought that um, 
if that would have happened, maybe the cadaver dog would have had a better chance of finding her remains. But um, that was the leading theory by law enforcement. Okay. If, you, if you go back to the picture of her SUV, not the one, the closer up shot. Um, I think it's back a couple. Oh, there this we go. one right here? Yeah. Okay. This, to me, is a little suspicious. That park job, and maybe I'm just like really nitpicking, <laughs> but that doesn't seem like, all right, I'm going to park my car and go hiking for a bit. I don't know if that seems like sh- it, she hastily parked. It's like kind of on the road. It's kind of on the road. Like it's a gravel road, so there there isn't a place to park, but there's like a law. It's kind of in the middle. It's and not it, tucked over. It also kind of seems like she might have backed in. Like there might have been another car parked there behind where her car is. Okay. Because if you know, I'm just it's thinking, a little grainy. I wish you could like see like the tire marks or something. Because if I if I was going to park here and there are no other cars, for my first instinct would be to get as far away from the road as possible. Yeah, right up against that without like log. falling into the woods. So I would yeah. have like just driven in and gotten closer to the edge. But if you're backing in because there's another car parked there, that it would be harder to do that. And might explain why she parked right there instead of like farther back. Yeah. So was there another car there that? Yeah, she like parked right next to it. And whoever was in that car abducted her, or because you know the cadaver dog didn't find anything, the searchers didn't find anything. That's not saying she's not out there, but I'm leaning a little more towards foul play. Now law enforcement said there was no evidence of foul play. Yeah. But the conditions were so terrible with rain, snow, and wind the whole time during the search. Yeah, and so much time had passed. So much time had passed from when she was actually out there to reported missing. You know, any, you know, if there was like a scuffle on the ground from her feet, at like if someone snatched her, that would probably get you know covered up. Yeah, in all the the conditions. Sure. So, and you, it might even be tough to see if there were other car tracks out there. Yeah, you know, tread marks. Um, I'm just all hint because this is a really bizarre case. I'm hinging all my. My theory on how she parked her car it just doesn't <laughs> yeah. seem like the way I would park. Okay. But I don't know. What's your thought? So <clears throat> I'm trying to look at it from like the, we know very little, but what we do know. So like her car's there, it's her car. So she was there. Yeah. Um, you get into the whole thing of, did she actually go on the hike to your point? Like, yeah. did she get picked up in the parking lot? Um, regardless, we feel like she was there. Uh, and she uh, reports would, stated that she she was seen in the t- towns around there, and they someone had, she had told someone that she was going for a hike in the western area, which would be here. Yeah, I so I'm looking up crime statistics just for Tasmania. Yeah, so there were seven murders recorded in 2021, 2022, an increase of one offense from the previous year. What's the population of Tasmania? I should have looked that up. Yeah, let's see. Because that'll, it's all relative. Yeah. I mean, if, if it was, if it was out of 20 million people, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, half a million. Okay. So about that's, the size of the city of Milwaukee. That's still a low. little less people. Only, that's low. Know, seven murders. So I, you know, it says, does Tasmania, Australia is very safe country, ranks 16 out of 163 for, uh, Crime. Tasmania is perhaps the safest of all the Australian states or territories with some of the lowest rates of serious crime in the country. So that's like goes against my theory of Well, it play. goes against mine too. Like, because I was what only makes sense is that she's not there, but her car is there, so was she taken? Yeah. And 
Although crime's low, it's still possible. If she had a stalker, potentially, that knew she was going there. She'd been she living there for a while. She'd been living there. If she, if somebody close to her knew she was going on that hike, and yeah. that was their opportunity, it just... Perhaps she was dating somebody. We talked about this yeah. in a couple other cases. Guys will do uh, really crazy stuff. Yeah, Gabby Petito. Gabby Petito. Um, that case where the lady went hiking with her husband's friend. And then he came back, and she never did. Yes, I can't remember that. Um, yeah, and they cleared him, but it just yeah. seemed it seemed odd. But again, so and this is all just speculation. Only thing I'm thinking of, yeah. she was there for six months. That's plenty of time to build, you know, relationships and friendships with people from there. Maybe she started dating someone, and they broke up, and the guy was mad, and you know knew she was going hiking here, and you know stalked her, and. I'm just trying to come up with a theory yeah, that makes this, sense. Yeah, this is all speculation, but I agree with you. Like it's it there's things that don't make sense. When you when you have a search like that, if you're not prepared and it's cold, you're not gonna be going crazy off trail. Yeah. And even if she did, that's where you have that dog. Let's say it said the best one was recorded again in, in miles, twelve miles away of sensing a cadaver. Yeah. This trail is less than a a mile at one point six miles or whatever. Yeah. So if you have a dog on that trail, Let's let's benefit the doubt. Okay, maybe it's half as good. Yeah. You should be able to pick up a scent six miles away, maybe maybe only two miles away. That's a pretty big radius around that trail that yeah. if you're not prepared, it, that's thick as all get out. Yeah. Like, I would look at that and say, she is not there. Yeah. So if yeah. she's not there in her car, that means somebody removed her or yeah. she got in another car with somebody else or something is going on that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and there was no indication that her car like broke down, and she tried to you know hitchhike back. So, um, yeah, very puzzling. That's why I'm leaning towards obviously not having the required gear for those conditions is a big um, probability of why she's missing. But and the thickness of the location is why searchers may have not have found her. Like we said, she may have gotten hypothermia and then was making poor decisions. And one interesting theory, too, is that because she's from the Northern Hemisphere and she's hiking in the Southern Hemisphere, she may have gotten, if she's got hypothermia and I was getting confused, she may have gotten mixed up directionally because your your directions are going to be different if you're hiking in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, but, you know, like, how so? Explain this. It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> All right. So maybe this uh, this is really because the seasons question. are opposite, but north is still north, south is still south. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I was just trying to think of another theory on why maybe no, like not. she directionally got confused. Yeah. I mean the sun. Uh, yeah, it's all. The, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. I that's, have more but, thoughts on it, but I don't nope. want to sound stupid. Well, so. uh, no, I'm just going to question you on <laughs> yeah. it. If I don't understand it, make me understand it. Um, I'm not doing it from that direction. I'm like, okay, does he know something I don't? No. What's your off the deep end? Uh, I'll play just a quick. <laughs> okay, that's it. Now we won't get hit. <laughs> um, off the deep end. So one of the crazy comments I saw on Reddit said, that in the very remote interiors of Tasmania, there's local cannibal families that live there, like off the grid. Okay. And so potentially maybe uh, she ran into one of these cannibal families and they, well, we know what happens next. I, I don't, I mean, do, has it been proved that these people actually exist? 
I just saw one comment on Reddit. Okay. <laughs> I have no clue, so that's why it's a deep end. I I'm didn't a, even bring I'm gonna it look, up. I'm going to look into that real quick. I didn't even want to bring it up as a, an official theory. Well, that's why it's deep end. <laughs> yeah. But if the if these people really exist... Oh, and uh, it's extinct now, but 100 years ago or more, the Tasmanian tiger used to exist on the island. Perhaps it's not actually extinct. And... She was killed by a Tasmanian tiger. Look okay. That, look that up next. <laughs> so they're all talking about one guy named Alexander Pierce, who is like 1700s to 18, 1790 to 1824. That was a cannibal. Oh. So nothing so recent. Cannibal ghost. Yeah, that there. that's actually a good off the deep end. Tasmanian. What did you say? Tiger? A Tasmanian tiger. Okay. Is it coming up? Did I spell it? Yeah. The, it went extinct in like 1909. The thylacine, T-H-Y-L-A-C-I-N-E, or Tasmanian tiger, or Tasmanian wolf, is an extinct carnivorous marsupial that was native to Australian mainland. Um, they're not very big. They're like dogs. Well, you know. I mean, yeah, they're saying its mass is about 30 kilograms. What's that in pounds? Yeah, I don't know. Look that up. Yeah, you look that up. Should have done all this before the show. Well, no, I, this is, <laughs> it's, it's like Rogan. You know, you just think of something and then you go on there. Uh, let's see. It's ranged from 39 to 51 inches long, plus the tail. So that's a 30 kilograms. 24 inches. 66 inch, pounds. Two feet tall. So it's like a medium-sized dog. So maybe a pack of Tasmanian tigers still exists on the island. Yeah. I mean, that's deep, deep end. That's deep, deep end because it's such a small place. Yeah. I think they'd see it, but it's a thick forest. I think <clears throat> my top two theories is I think foul play. I'm putting that ahead of exposure. I think foul play too. Just because I just, I'm hung up on how the car is parked and I'm only hung up on that is because that's really our only evidence. You're hung up on it because it's bugging you? It's bugging me because yeah. that's not how I, unless another car is parked there. Um, and I think a close second is exposure. She wandered off trail because of confusion. Um, and because of the thick vegetation, they weren't able to do aerial searching, you know, ground crews, unless, you know, this vegetation looks so incredibly thick, unless you like step on somebody, you know, step on a, a body, well, even it might this, be tough this to image, find. I yeah. can't see this. They might be off trail. But it's just a sideways shot of the searchers walking through the woods, and yeah. I can't see a trail. Um, look at you see half of one of the guys. Yeah. It's it's two feet away, and you're obviously getting a picture of them. And fifteen feet away, you can't see if, anything. Yeah, if that if these all three of these people were ten to fifteen feet farther back, you wouldn't see them. And now think this isn't perfect searching conditions, so they're yeah. getting snowed on. It, yeah, it's, it's heavy very winds. Wet. So, you know, these probably are all very skilled searchers, but in those conditions, you're not going to be 100% looking on them. You're going to be, like, looking at your footing. And, I mean, it very difficult conditions to search in. Thick, mm -hmm. the weather was bad. I think all that would tend to perhaps, and the case is so fresh. Yeah. We're still in their winter. So they haven't even had summer yet. Mm -hmm. So it could very well be next summer. Someone stumbles sadly across her remains, um, you know, once it warms up and there's more people out there. Um, so I, I think we're also forgetting how fresh this case is. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I think there's still the possibility that more will be learned. Yeah. So I don't know. Those are my theories. Um, this, uh, it, it's fun. I mean, 
not fun because someone's missing, but it's interesting to cover cases that are very recent. Yeah. Versus a case that happened 80 years ago. Yeah, we'll definitely be tracking developments. And if there's any uh, listeners in Australia or uh, Tasmania, to be more specific, and you know anything or, or hear anything, please feel free to reach out and we'll we'll bring it up in the show. Um, outside of that, I think my theory kind of goes along with yours. Yeah. I, I think it's foul play, but have no reasonable explanation as to why it's just a gut. I think it's foul play just based on the fact that her car is there, not even how it's parked. The fact that she, her car is there means she was there. Yeah. So there's only really two things is she passed away in the elements and she's somewhere where they're not searching. She got or, injured, slipped and yeah. fell, you know, something. or she was removed from that area. Yeah. But she left or she is still there because of the car. Yeah. So we, we, I would even say like, we couldn't say like, oh, she didn't actually have her go. Like one of yeah. those where there's no, like, it's very clear. Like her mode of transportation is there. So yeah, that's all I got. So that's all I got too. All right. Uh, make sure you give us your theories or give us information that you think it could be. Uh, thanks again for tuning into our show. We appreciate all of you for listening and sharing locations unknown with your friends and family. Be sure to like, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, oh, no, Instagram and X and YouTube, yeah. where you can find the videos of each episode. Also, if you'd like to support the show monetarily, please visit our website or Facebook store to buy some cool swag. Additionally, you can subscribe on Patreon, um, Apple subscriptions, now uh, YouTube subscriptions, X subscriptions, everywhere. 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 And uh, that you'll get the extra content for paid customers. Again, if you want to get an idea of what that's like, yeah. Go on to our latest episode before this one, and you'll listen to our caller segment, which was hilarious and a lot of fun. <laughs> and lastly, when enjoying the beauty of nature, whether backpacking, camping, or simply taking a walk, always remember to leave no trace. Thanks, and we will see you all next time.